Welcome into the new edition, the new look for the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. And uh, glad to be here back for season six of the Talking Tide podcast uh, with fall camp now underway for the Crimson Tide. Also to be glad to be part of the new pigskin podcast network we're now on Streamyard and megaphone so we've moved platforms and we've moved into the network realm of of the podcasting universe travis we're hopefully going to have talking tide up on video soon enough and adding bells and whistles just as quickly as possible an old man travis i know you like to pick on me about my technological uh, growth or lack thereof, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm trying to move us into the now here the best I can. It's really been amazing to watch. You've pretty much been a burner phone guy since the advent <laughs> of cellular service. So to see Chase Goodbread take this giant step, yeah. giant step, and maybe video is a part of this thing. You know, video for you and me, that's going to be like 2 a.m. at the club. You know, when they turn the lights on at 2 a.m. And everybody yep. kind of looks around and goes, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> that's all that's left. Yep. Yeah. Good bread and I are kind of those people when you turn the lights on at 2 a.m. Yeah, the, the technology here at Talking Tide is definitely taking a step up in 2021. Uh, Third-party guests on the podcast on the horizon as well. So looking forward to these uh, improvements for our listeners. The Twitter feed, however, remains steady in season six. You'll find that at talking underscore tide. Uh, Megaphone is our new web host, so you can find us there. Uh, we'll, of course, link all podcasts to the Talking Tide Twitter feed, still on iTunes, still on Google Play, Stitcher, etc. So you can find us a whole lot of places. And uh, Travis says, Camp here has been underway for about a week. As a matter of fact, the first fall scrimmage is in the books for the Crimson Tide and not a whole lot of information trickling out, at least officially, uh, when it comes to <laughs> Alabama football right now. No more Nick stats. Saban, no more no. stats from back in the Good Bread era that we it, used to get. It's the, the Good Bread era on the beat. The most restricted uh, media access we've seen, I think, for uh, any fall camp under Nick Saban. Not surprising, I guess, coming right off of the COVID year when media access was largely shut down except for Zooms. Uh, you and I have talked about this off air. I think Nick Saban uh, took a permanent liking to some of those COVID <laughs> uh, conditions last year where the media is concerned. I don't think he uh, disproves of them, put it that way. So, uh, there was limited access to media viewing periods during fall camp. There was supposed to be one of those for Monday, tonight's practice, as we record this at the University of Alabama. We have since been informed that those media viewing periods, at least temporarily, have been suspended. So indefinite suspension for the <laughs> Alabama beat where it comes to those media viewing periods. So we'll see if they come back. You know, kind of like some players that we've seen in the past, good bread get that indefinite suspension, and then we've never really heard from them again. I'm left mm -hmm. to wonder if we'll ever hear of media viewing periods again at Alabama under Nick Saban. Actually, I think we will in time, but I wouldn't say it's a guarantee either. We're going to see Michael Casagrande and your guy Charlie Prada <laughs> running 110s at 6 a.m. tomorrow? 
You know, they may have to do some some sunrisers, some sunrisers for the boys and girls on the beat. No, uh, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, you know, it's been a nonstop game of information getting out, information uh, staying in. It's the never ending game of sort of soccer goalie, you know, not just at Alabama, but everywhere on football beats, baseball beats, I'm sure. Uh, just trying to manage the flow of information. And the scrimmages are kind of hilarious at this point because they're close to the media, they're close to the public, but you still got parents, coaches, boosters, everybody else in there. You really think information isn't going to come out of the scrimmages? You think these folks that cover this team on a daily basis, you've done it, I've done it, don't have ties to people that are inside Bryant-Denny Stadium now, I understand, and I always say this about scrimmage information, got to be careful with it because you don't understand the context of a lot of it. You might hear, well, so-and-so had an 80-yard touchdown run. Well, was he working with the twos? Was he working with the ones? Was it ones versus twos? Was it maybe twos versus ones? Context is the biggest problem when you start trying to disseminate scrimmage info. Yeah, no doubt, and and so much of these scrimmages are situational, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they go extra red zone work or extra goal line work. Guy scores three touchdowns. Well, maybe they're all one yard plunges. You know what I mean? You just right. It, it's uh uh it's definitely a cat and, cat and mouse game with the information, but uh we can storm the practice gates here from talking tied too as well here <laughs> and there. We'll do the best we can to get our listeners uh, some of that inside. Intel, I've got you, of course, have been uh, covering the program for more than 15 years now, an awfully long time. Uh, I'm more removed from the beat. Uh, I guess I'm about eight years removed from the beat now, uh, going on nine. I still have an old bird or two that'll sing in my ear once in a while. Uh, But uh, Trey Sanders, uh, the running back for the Crimson Tide, one guy certainly. Uh, from reports of people who were at the scrimmage, a guy who looked good for Alabama in the opening scrimmage and a good sign. And, and you got to like that, Travis, for a guy who's had some really hard luck since he signed at Alabama, particularly with uh, an automobile accident that uh, was a pretty serious one for him. Good to see him. Not all, Good to see him just back with a helmet on, much less uh, succeeding and looking good out there. Absolutely, because – you went into fall camp just sort of wondering what his availability was going to be like. And then if I had told you before the start of fall camp, look, first scrimmage, maybe not full go, but by the second scrimmage, he's able to do more. And then going into the season, they'll continue to ramp him up. I think you would have probably taken that for Trey Sanders, but to hear him do some really good things, catch a touchdown pass from Bryce Young in the scrimmage, um, yeah, yeah, you, you're as happy for him as anything else. Alabama's got running backs. Alabama's fine at the running back position right now. Sure, Trey Sanders, you'll love to have him as an additional option, and he's capable of being that number one guy and every down guy. But you've got Brian Robinson, an experienced veteran in that mix. You've got Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, a five-star freshman in Kamar Wheaton. So you're okay in terms of quality numbers. But it was. It was encouraging. It was promising. And as much as anything, again, you were happy for him after these last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, running back is good a place to start as any in talking about what 
needs to be accomplished for this team in fall camp and really the offense in general. That's where the majority of the turnover is, right? New faces coming in at quarterback, at wide receiver, at running back, along the offensive line. Uh, a lot more experience coming back on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, at running back, Brian Robinson, obviously the most experienced guy, uh, has played a lot of good football at Alabama now uh, at this point in his career. He never has uh, taken over as the lead dog, so to speak, in the backfield. And as we know, Nick Saban almost always has a, a two-back rotation. Sometimes he'll squeeze a third guy in there situationally. Uh, so that'll be one interesting thing to watch for sure in fall camp, Travis, is who, along with Brian Robinson, kind of emerges as uh, uh, guys who can play some kind of a role. Yeah, and I think, as you know, and we've done this throughout the years, that's where scrimmage number two becomes especially uh you know, intriguing is how does that start to narrow down between those two or three guys? Because you do have a legitimate group of options there. Robinson, I would think, has to be a top two guy going into a game against an opponent like Miami, a capable team in the opener, because you're going to trust him with every aspect of the job. You know, if it's third and eight and you know, or third and seven, and you know Miami's going to bring a blitz, you feel good about Brian Robinson being in the game, especially when you got a first-year starter at quarterback and you got to pick that up. Uh, but McClellan, Williams, you know, it still seems like it's very much up in the air. Sanders now, in terms of how that's going to break down, because at some point there is a decision that has to be made realistically about how many guys you can script into a game plan. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the quarterback position, Bryce Young, obviously he's been working with the ones, did it in the spring, doing it again here in the fall. He's the guy that'll take over at the quarterback position. Did not get the, the late game action that Nick Saban surely would have wanted for him last year. And I think to a large extent, that's due to the fact that there were no non-conference games, uh, being that it was an all SEC schedule last season. I think that probably robbed uh, Bryce Young of, of a little bit of game action that, that he might have seen in some third and fourth quarters last year. I think he only ended up throwing, uh, I don't know, 20 or so passes roughly on, on the year last year, as opposed to Mac Jones, who had thrown the ball in game action quite a bit more going into last season. Uh, so Bryce Young comes in certainly pretty raw and uh, with a lot of new faces around him uh, to work with, especially at the skill positions. So a lot of eyes on him. No doubt about it. And, you know, you had a little bit of a stumble to the start of fall camp for Jalil Billingsley, one of the guys that you expect to target frequently, especially when you talk about a tight end. You look at Irv Smith's numbers from 2018, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 catches, 700-plus yards, six, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns. And you make that, in your mind anyway, going into fall camp, sort of a starting point perhaps for Jalil Billingsley. But Cam Latou caught a touchdown pass in the scrimmage Saturday, so that's encouraging that you know you got another guy. Um, but at wide receiver, it seems like that's still very much up for grabs. Once you get beyond Jonathan Mechie, you've got this influx of first- and second-year players that you certainly expect to impact things. Javon Baker, Trayshawn Holden from a year ago. Uh, Christian Leary, JoJo Earl, who has also been mentioned as a potential punt returner by Nick Saban. 
Ajay Hall, one of the stars of the spring game. And Ja'Cory Brooks, a guy we didn't see in the spring game, Chase, but seems like you're hearing more about him now in fall camp. So that may be another spot. We're going to talk about a few spots probably, Chase, that might take a game week. You get past Miami, you know, you got a week where you can try to figure some things out, but then you go right back on the road to Florida. So it's not like you have three or four weeks or the rest of September after Miami to sort of try to sort through some things. You got to be ready to go to Gainesville in week three. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State, speaking yeah. of the wider position, a, a, another one to kind of keep an eye on. He's a guy who uh, didn't play a ton of football at OSU, but he's reputed to have deep speed, the kind of speed that can really stretch teams. Uh, maybe, you know, if, if he's effective enough on the deep ball, maybe force teams to play more split safety coverage, which is what you want to see uh, if you're a running back at Alabama, for sure. Yeah, I posted about this on the roundtable at BOL a few days ago that, you know, if I'm Miami and I know you've gone through these four wide receivers, they're all gone. They're all in the NFL. And certainly you're going to respect Jonathan Metz, John Mechie. But in that game on September 4th, Alabama might see more man coverage than it's seen in quite a while because the expectation is going to be probably more than anything Chase first-year starter at quarterback, all these guys to replace on the outside, still a very capable offensive line, a stable of backs. They're going to try to bust us in the teeth with this run game. So we're not going to play as much split safety or cover two and you know maybe drop that extra guy into the box and make Alabama show you that Roll some help maybe to Mechie, but everybody else, you're going to have to show us you can beat us in the passing game, including your quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And I think another pertinent question for Alabama fans coming into this season regarding new offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, who, of course, comes from the NFL ranks, is will we see a little bit more of the RPO game with the quarterback keepers with Bryce Young than we saw with Mac Jones? Maybe harken back a little bit more toward – 2018, 2019, as opposed to 2020. Um, do you see Bryce Young uh, getting some designed runs in, in the RPO game with Bill O'Brien, or, or do you think they're not going to put that on him right away? I think there'll definitely be more than we've seen the last couple of seasons with Tua and Mac Jones relative to what you had at the position. At the same time, I don't think it'll be at the same level that we last saw with Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. say in 2017, probably a compromise somewhere in between because Bryce is very capable as a passer. So at the same time, if you can use his legs to help replenish those explosive plays that have gone out the door, I mean, one out of every three snaps last season, Chase, this offense averaged a play of 10 yards or more once every three snaps. So that's what we're talking about as much as anything. That's where Jamison Williams becomes very relevant to that discussion. But what I like about Bryce is even in improv situations, because of his ability to move and extend plays, you see it all the time in college football, right? Quarterback breaks the pocket, coverage on the back end starts to break down, guys start adjusting things, and next thing you know, you hit a big play. So that's where he can help in replacing a lot of that explosive play production, not just with his legs running the football, but 
an extension of plays, off-platform throws, you know, his receivers continuing to work on plays to help him out. And then next thing you know, you've got an explosive play on your hands. Touch on the guys up front really quick before we move over to the defensive side of the ball. That discussion certainly starts with Evan Neal, Travis, the outstanding uh, veteran who's moved now from guard to right tackle and now to left tackle, entering his third season with the Crimson Tide. A dominant player, a huge guy. Nick Saban commented uh, earlier in camp that he's dropped a little bit of weight. I think he's south of 350 right now, uh, which, which for him is a little bit of a loss. He was plenty effective at 360 but you know at left tackle you'll see a little more speed and quickness over there as a pass blocker so maybe that'll help him out to be a maybe just a bit lighter on his feet it's been just this gradual progression for evan neal going back to his days at evan neal uh excuse me img and starting really with david ballou and dr matt ray when they were at img going back to prior to evan neal's senior season so He's done it in a good way. It hasn't been this sort of dramatic loss where, you know, he's had to sort of readjust the way he plays to fit something like that. He has done it gradually. And, yeah, I mean, these split box jumps and things like that, he's doing 48-inch box jumps. It's just – it's ridiculous. But he is certainly very capable of stepping over there to the left side and being that left tackle. And, you know, I think if he stays healthy and has the kind of year – we all anticipate he'll have Chase. He's going to challenge Chris Samuels for that highest draft pick by an Alabama offensive tackle. I think Big Sam went three overall to the Washington football team a few years ago, more than a few years ago. But yeah. I think he has that sort of upside, and certainly in what you do, you hear a lot about that. Yeah, the scouts are definitely a buzz about Evan Neal. They love him. There's no question about it. There's nothing not to love about the guy. I mean, you come in, you started a program like Alabama as a freshman. Uh, you, you move from inside to the outside without a hitch. You move from the right side, and you know it, it, he's not logged any time at left tackle yet. But no one's expecting anything other than a smooth transition from right tackle to left tackle from Evan Neal. Uh, NFL scouts as well. Right tackle spot. How about Kendall Randolph, a guy not to be forgotten, Travis? He's he's working up front uh, with those right tackles, and he's got some some young guys. He's going to be trying to fight off in camp, but uh, a guy who's who's played a little tight end at Alabama and done a few different things. But uh, Nick Saban seems to like him there right now. A couple of guys on this offensive line you pull for because they've sort of waited their turn for this. Kendall Randolph, Chris Owens. And Kendall's certainly one of those guys and you know, made multiple starts at tight end last year. I think four or five starts at tight end and sort of that hybrid guy, tackle, tight end. He's played guard. Nick Saban talked about him here recently. Thinks he could play anywhere up front with the exception of maybe center. So you're pulling for him. And I think in Saturday scrimmage, some of the intel that come from that scrimmage sort of told you that this staff is really counting on this guy because you know he also saw time on the left side. Uh, here recently, which tells me that if something happens to Evan Neal, the contingency plan right now isn't for one of these true freshmen, these five-star freshmen to just plug and play at left tackle. It's more so for Kendall Randolph to go over to the left side and then maybe come with one of those guys, J.C. Latham, maybe as the next guy in at right tackle. So uh, he's done a lot of good things for the program. He's been the consummate program guy, as we've heard it described in the past. And, yeah, I mean, and when you think about right tackle, uh, 
not saying that they haven't had really good right tackles, but they've won a lot of games with guys under Nick Saban that weren't exactly first round picks. Austin Shepard, Drew Davis. Right. right. Um, you know, there's been a few others. So uh hopefully Kendall ends up being that guy and, and can and hold that down. The Talking Tide podcast, part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We're going to thank a couple of our fantastic local sponsors here before we move on and talk a little bit about the defensive side of the football in fall camp. We're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates. It's the place to go if you have any dental needs anywhere in Tuscaloosa. The phone number over there is 752-3506. We've had a rough summer uh, dentally in the good bread house. I've had some work done. My daughter's had quite a bit of work done, but I tell you, uh, the, the folks over at North river dental just do such a fantastic job. Uh, my youngest daughter's actually had to have some pretty, uh, intricate dental work done, uh, with one of her front teeth, as a matter of fact, and, and the experience over at North river dental with that has been fantastic for your, Twice yearly routine cleanings. They're going to get you in and out of there typically in under an hour. Uh, and uh, they're great at handling uh, the insurance folks as well over at North River Dental. Take it easy on you with those tools that tend to hurt. And uh, they do a, a fantastic job. Dr. Jack Smalley, a former Alabama football player, and his great group of dental hygienists uh, do a fantastic job. Easy to find right off of Watermelon Road. It's North River Dental Associates. Dr. Jack is the best. And probably part of the problem you guys have had, Chase, has to do with Peter Brook Chocolatier. You've been eating too much of that chocolate popcorn, good bread. And look, it's worth it. I'm in there so much, I should call it Peter Broke Chocolatier. Yeah, Peter Broke Tooth. No, look, I'm not saying it's true or not, but there's a myth out there that, that one of the great things about Peter Brook is that it doesn't cause cavities. I'm not saying that's true or not. I'm just saying it's out there, yeah. but regardless, you definitely want to get by 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Check out Peterbrook Chocolatier closing in on its 14th year of business out there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Hey, look, just look at Alabama's football record since Peterbrook Chocolatier has been open. What is it? Six national championships since Peterbrook opened up. I'm just saying yeah, they have great, great stuff, though. In all seriousness, that chocolate popcorn is a signature item. But other things like gelato, the Italian ice cream, you're going to find a number of great flavors that will suit you undoubtedly. But then also the traditional favorites like the salted caramels or the dark chocolate peanut butter meltaways or the chocolate covered pretzels. All that stuff's waiting for you. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I like those pool machines right in the center oh, of the store. Those, are the, they, those get me. They sound like slot machines when you tug on those. I things. can go the, into the, the store out. <laughs> and they can't see me come in, but then they hear that bag, you know, and that lever go down and they go, oh, Travis is here. Again. <laughs> well, I am the quality control guy at Peter Brook. So it's just part of the gig. Part of the duties. I got to try. There you go. Yeah. The Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. We're going to go a few more minutes here in this first episode of our sixth season on the podcast, talking defense before we close things out here. Travis, uh, you look at that side of the ball and a lot more familiar faces for sure on that side than uh, on offense. However, there are definitely some spots that that uh, are going to require uh, some fill-in. Certainly, chief among them, I think, 
losing a guy like Pastor Tan at the cornerback position uh, was a big loss for Alabama. He's doing exceptionally well uh, in uh, training camp in the NFL as a rookie right now. Uh, there's one guy that they're going to have to replace, and there are others. But for me, uh, the the maybe the most critical uh, replacement for any starter on that side of the ball for Alabama is, is filling in behind Sertan. No doubt about it. And there's been sort of a derby there going back to spring practice. But give Jalen Armour Davis a lot of credit. Another one of these guys that has waited his turn, worked through an injury very early on in his career. Took him a couple of years, it seemed like, to put that totally in his rearview mirror. And he's been extremely solid. Now, in terms of upside, they've got a couple of guys working at that spot right now. Kool-Aid McKinstry among them that you think it's just a matter of time before they're going to be able to bring too much to the table to keep them off the field. But they've got really nice competition there. You know, they've got some guys that can cross-train too. They can cross-train some safeties and corners, safeties and stars, safeties and monies. But at that corner spot specifically, you know, Jalen Armour Davis seems to have garnered the one thing that's critical to any candidate from the coaching staff, we've said it for years and years on this podcast, and that's trust. Now, again, once some of these other guys get to that point on a day-in, day-out basis, might be very difficult to keep them out of that mix entirely. So it's a good, healthy competition. Regardless of how it plays out, you're going to go into that Miami game feeling like you've got a very capable successor to Patrick Sertan II. I'm not saying you're going to have Patrick Sertan II. But I think you're going to at least have Josh Job from a year ago. And if that's the case, then Josh Job on the other side should be taking that next step, even if it's not to Patrick Sertanville, it's still to another higher level. Linebacker position, transfer Henry Toa Toa from the University of Tennessee. A lot of talk about him here in preseason camp. Of course, he is one of many probably one of hundreds, frankly, transfers taking advantage of a new NCAA rule that allows guys to uh, make a jump to another school without sitting out a year. Another another area in NCAA football, we're into a new era, Travis, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of time on future podcasts to get into this NIL business. We won't do it here and now, uh, but that transfer rule is making an impact of its own, and, and here's a guy who is the leading tackler for the Volunteers last season, uh, looks like, and as Nick Saban noted, played in a defense under Jeremy Pruitt that gives him some familiarity now in Tuscaloosa and playing for Nick Saban, and he's going to have every opportunity to to uh, be a starter beside Christian Harris. Yeah, there's no real transition in terms of packages and scheme for Henry Toa given where he's coming from, given who he played for. If it's base, nickel, dime, playing the Mac. Uh, when they go six DBs, it's all stuff that, you know, Henry's very comfortable with. And, you know, the thing that's resonated with me, Chase, is the continued talk from both Nick Saban and Pete Golding at this dude is an absolute presence in the middle of the field. In other words, he's a communicator. Coaches love that. If you're talking, if you're an effective communicator, I don't care what sport it is. If you're a middle infielder or a catcher in baseball, right, or softball, it's huge. If you're a point guard in basketball, you got to be able to talk on the floor. And if you're going to play the position Henry Toa Toa is playing, you got to be able to do that as well. And perhaps Christian Harris is just as effective, but 
even if there's a discernible difference between the two, you can put that more on Henry Toa maybe play Christian off the ball more and say, go get him. And regardless, you're in a great spot. Jalen Moody has been impacted the most by all this because this is a guy that was ready to take that next step and join the starting lineup. So depth is very good at inside linebacker. You've got two potential first-round picks right now, it looks like, working with the first group. And then you start going down the pipeline, a guy like Deontay Lawson, a true freshman, has a look of a superstar in the not-too-distant future. No doubt about it. I guess we're moving back to front on this defense. Let's talk about the line. Uh, you've got uh, Will Anderson coming back as a pass rusher, technically a linebacker, of course, but a guy that really gets after the quarterback for Alabama. No reason to think he won't lead this team in sacks if he's healthy. Uh Christopher Allen showed a lot last year of improvement, I think, as a pass rusher, had a handful of sacks himself. It's the interior that's a bigger question for me, Travis, and, and we we know and we've seen that that most of the best defenses Nick Saban's had at Alabama, and frankly, all of them, nearly all of them have been very good, uh, but the best of the best tend to have that dominator inside uh, who can not only plug things up on the early downs, but get push uh, on third down. So who could that guy be? Obviously, Christian Barmore uh, was a guy who gave Alabama some of that last year, particularly late in the season. He moves on to the NFL. For me, Travis, the guy I, I'm personally high on and the guy I feel like has a, a good chance to make a, a big jump uh, in his productivity and, and snap counts is Tim Smith. Liked what I saw from him last year. Athletically, he's strong. I like the way he plays with his hands. He's got a motor, uh, and and he's he's pretty darn athletic too. I know he's he's uh, probably didn't he, he probably didn't, he didn't play as much as you know Phil Mathis or some of these other guys, DJ Dale, etc. Uh, but for me, if if you're talking about who's liable to make a jump and and look like a uh, a different player, I like Tim Smith. Yeah, what we're talking about, right, is which of these guys are opponents going to go into the game week thinking, you know what, we're going to have to double this guy. We're going to have to send some help to him. And I think that breaks it down as much as anything. Which of these defensive linemen for Alabama with an emphasis on interior situations are opposing offenses going to feel the need to double? I think DJ Dale on early downs can be that kind of guy. But, yeah, when you get into those inevitable pass rush situations that are more plentiful now than they've ever been in football, who is that guy? Fedarian Mathis? You going to double Fedarian Mathis consistently in the pass rush? Um, now, the other side of that is it's a little bit of an outside-in approach for a change because maybe there's not going to be a Deron Payne in the first half of the season. Maybe there's not going to be a Quinnen Williams. But there's going to be two guys on the edges you're going to have to help with. And so that should help those interior guys get a ton of one-on-one -on -one situations. And then it's going to be who can whip his guy. And mm -hmm. I agree. I think Tim Smith, in terms of the big picture, we've seen enough in a limited sample size to think he can be that Williams type, that pain type, perhaps. He looks great right now. Um, but you heard Nick Saban say it after Saturday scrimmage. They've, they're rolling seven, eight guys in their first two groups right now. And that's with LeBron Ray out. So they still feel really good about their depth. Even if it is a by-committee approach, you start adding up TFL, sacks, quarterback hurries for five, six guys, 
in addition to what Will Anderson and Christopher Allen should give you on the outside, those should add up pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Glad to be back for the 21 season, and uh, Travis and I will be back in another week to kind of wrap up fall camp and start looking ahead to the start of the season. Alabama, of course, opening the year on a neutral field against Miami. Uh, a lot of his, a little bit of history anyway with uh, Alabama and Miami, but uh, uh, dating back to when Travis and I went to school in Alabama, it's been a long time uh, yeah. since since that tilt. But looking forward to that, and looking forward to being with you, our listeners, uh, for the rest of the season. As usual, once we get into the season, Travis and I will be dropping in with two podcasts per week, one midweek, uh, previewing the upcoming game, another. Uh, on Sunday evenings, typically recapping uh, the weekend game. So that'll be the format once again. But uh, glad to be back. Glad to be on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Travis, look forward to talking to you here in another week. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. We'll see you.